can take a seat. Can you hear me? I had to switch my mic on myself. It was very like, oh, um, my goodness. So I am loving this theme. Thank you, Mark and Stacey, for worship tonight. I felt you fighting. Thank you. Felt you fighting. Um, yeah, so as uh, Sam mentioned, I'm a lawyer by day, and um, I work at a very... Well, superhero by night, is that what you're expecting? So um, I work at a very generous law firm. In fact, um, sometimes they can actually bring their kids to work. So every now and again we have this um, situation, we have a few toddlers running around the law office and generally they're quite good and they colour in pictures for everyone and they talk sweetly and what we watch them twirl and sing songs and it's all really cute. And I've noticed that it hits a certain point in the morning where things go crazy. <laughs> and I don't have kids. So I am petrified. So we go from having a really cute, like, oh, cute, you look so gorgeous. And then next minute, they're crying because they want the mandarin, but the mandarin juice is squish is spilling on them and they don't want the mandarin juice on them, but they want to eat the mandarin, but I don't want to touch the mandarin, so what do I do with the mandarin? Or we had another little girl that wanted to throw water onto the carpet to make puddles to splash in, and why won't we let her splash in puddles in the office? Oh my goodness. And so my response is to just sort of like back away quietly into my office, close my door, put a chair under the door, get under my desk, turn the lights off, wind the blinds down and like prepare <laughs> what is going to happen. And I've realized that the parents, um, my colleagues who are parents, are so calm. They're like, oh, hon, come on, let's go have a nap. <laughs> I wish that was a response for my life drama. Um, or they'll be like, oh, hon, let's go make you a sandwich, you're hungry. And it really hit me in the face this week when end of financial year craziness, I don't know if anyone else is feeling that in the business world. And, um, it really like almost slapped me in the face this week of how if we get taught how to respond yeah. and through experience we learn what works, yeah. it's smooth sailing. Right. Yeah. And we got this. Yeah. And there's no point in cowering under your desk in the darkness <laughs> praying that the toddler won't find you. Um, <laughs> you just know how to respond. So tonight I want to talk about faith and how faith gives us our response in the gap. Yeah. It gives us our response. And as Christians, we need to be able to decipher between the human response right. and the faith response. Right. Yeah. And once we can identify that and we start out working it and practicing it, it becomes part of who we are, part of our character. And that's an incredible thing to see. And the gap that I want to focus on tonight is one of the most consistent and common gaps that we see. It's the gap between what God is asking us to do, where he's taking us, what the call is over our life, and the gap of how we feel, how disqualified we feel, how not worth it, not capable. The human gap. I've called it the human gap because it has everything to do with us. Yeah. And so we're going to focus on that place tonight. Thankfully, the Bible has heaps of human gaps. We do not need to fret. Yeah. God speaks, calls, gives dreams, 
gives dreams, sorry, and there are bodies that are too old or too young. There are situations that simply don't match the dream and there's inability, pasts, baggage that seeks to disqualify the people in the Bible. And I know that there are people here tonight and I'm here to ask you, what is your impossible dream? What is the impossible call that God is asking for from you? What is the promise that seems so far-fetched and fanciful that it seems impossible? Because tonight you need to hear that with God, all things are possible. In Genesis, we see that Abraham was given a promise to be a father to many. And he was quite old already when that promise was given. And it was 25 years. So by now he's like ancient, right? And um, there's this like, (laughs) I just have this image of like the walker, right? And he's still believing for the promise. And it comes true. It comes true. Of course it does. And he does become a father to many. But the cool thing is that the human gap was a body that didn't seem capable of fulfilling the promise. But with God, it was possible. In Genesis, we also see Joseph. A lot of us know the story of Joseph. He was given a dream where he was going to be influential, a leader. He was going to be in a position of prominence, not just amongst his family, but in the country. And for 13 years, the Bible tells us a story of a man that was thrown into a pit, sold to slaves, enslaved in a man's house, lied about, completely disfamed, and then he ends up in jail. And the promise comes true. The dream is fulfilled. Of course it is. It's God. But the human gap was a current situation that looked nothing like the dream. The human gap was something that didn't even point towards the dream. It wasn't even facing the right direction. It didn't even look like it was nearly going there. But with God, it was possible. And then in Exodus, we see Moses. And Moses is met by God in the desert. And God says to him, Moses... Be my mouthpiece. Speak on my behalf to Pharaoh. Huge. Help me to free the Israelites. And the crazy thing is that Moses, number one, was an Israelite. He was, had slave blood. He was given away by his own mother and adopted into Pharaoh's family. He murdered. He was a fugitive in the desert and he had a stutter. And yet God meets him in the desert and says, Moses, be my mouthpiece for a generation. The human gap was that Moses' past, his ability, his baggage disqualified him. But with God, he not only um, helped free the Israelites, but he continued to be God's representative to the people and the people's representative to God. Incredible. With God. 
the likelihood of you facing the human gap at some point is incredibly high. It's incredibly high. I'm just going to put it out there. We are humans serving God, the created praising their creator, ordinary people serving an extraordinary God. So let me share some facts with you about the human gap. You are human. He is God. You are ordinary and he is extraordinary. You come with junk and baggage, a past, inabilities, disease, medical diagnosis, financial failure, broken relationships and a whole lot of mess. He is holy. He's perfect. He's sovereign. He's truth. He's so loyal. He's love and he's grace. Every time you think, I'm just like Abraham and Sarah. I'm too old. My body can't complete the promise. Every time you think, I'm just like Joseph, my situation doesn't match my dream at all. It's not even in the same street, the same suburb, the same country. It's facing the wrong direction. God, where are you? Every time you think I'm just like Moses, my lack, my inability, it has disqualified me from the call of God. Remember that all you are doing is highlighting that you are just plain darn ordinary. And you are forgetting to highlight that he is an extraordinary God. Come on, church. We all have human gaps and still want, and God still wants to use us in his perfect plan. I'm feeling excited. I don't know about you. You need to join me, church. I'm going somewhere and I want you to come. The dream is not impossible with God. With God. The call is not impossible with God. And the promise is not impossible with God. As Christians, we need to correct We need to have the correct response to the gap. Faith gives us that response. Ephesians 2, 7 to 10 and 19 to 22. Now God has us where he wants us with all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we're done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work. He does. The good work he has already gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. And then 19 to 22, that's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. Hear that tonight. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here, in what he is building. 
He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation and now he's using you. He's fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day by day. And I love this. God is quite at home. Love that. If you've been a Christian long enough, you know that you don't deserve to be where you are. I know it. I know it. And we hear it week in, week out. We, we hear it from our amazing pastors who are so authentic and vulnerable with us and share their story. We hear it with leaders or life group leaders. We hear it out in the cafe when we share praise reports and prayer requests. We know. We know that God is so much greater, immeasurably more, the Bible tells us. And yet somehow we find ourselves in a human gap and we throw a pity party and we stay there and we have a human response instead of a faith response. But we know. We know. And so tonight we're going to unlock how we can have the faith response. As Christians, we need the correct response to the gap, and faith gives that to us. Psychologists say that humans typically respond in three ways. I'm sure you've all heard of them. Freeze, fight, or flight. So freeze looks like when you hit a human gap and you just fall into a heap and you just sit there. Or you go, oh no, that call's too big, I just can't do it. And you just freeze. The human response of fight looks like control, striving. Okay, God, I'll meet you there. I'll dream that. But I'm going to do X, Y, and Z and 1 plus 1 plus 1 plus 1 plus 1 plus 1 to get to whatever number I just added up to. And, uh, And we sort it all out and we do it all in our own strength. And we don't need God because we're fighting for it ourselves. And flight looks like someone who's just sleepwalking through. They've put their blinders on and they might be being obedient, but they don't have the belief behind them. They don't have the faith to engage and lean in. And the thing that I've realized about this human response is that the reason it doesn't work is that it makes us the biggest player in the story. It makes us the centerpiece. And we forget that God is actually the superhero. He's actually the almighty. He's the one that comes in and changes the story, not us, not us. And I've seen this all the time. I have, in such a practical way, I have um, friends who, who aren't Christians and they are married. And Ben and I are pretty newly wed married. And um, they'll say to us, I've actually had this conversation with a really good friend. You'll last because you have God uniting you. And we're trying to find something that unites us, and I really hope that traveling is it. How does she know? How does she know that faith is the difference? And yet she has a human response that says, well, I'm going to book in a date night, and I'm going to post the right things to social media, and I'm going to create habits that unify us. And she expects that one plus one plus one plus one is going to equal four. 
but she's missed out God. She's missed out the faith response. And in the workplace, I see it all the time. I'm in a little bit of a management role at my work. And so I've got other people that are in management roles that read the right books and book in the team planning and do the meetings and, you know, one plus one plus one and we're going to have this great outcome and we know what to expect. And it doesn't work like that. Because a faith response in that situation says, I know it's actually not about me and it's more about God. So as long as I've got God's strategies, as long as I'm using godly principles, I'll see the result. Not a human response, but a faith response in a really practical way. Um, I, I... don't know if I want to share this. I, um, <laughs> it's like in my notes, but I sort of put it in brackets in case. I just wanted to skip it out. So um, at work, I found myself, I'm in this office, and I find myself all the time having all these people come into my office for a yarn. And I was getting really annoyed. And I was like, Ben, like, I'm a very, you guys know me. Like, I, I want to be rich, right? We all remember the story last time. I just wanted to be rich when I was younger. So I'm just like, you know, I just need to meet my billables. I just want to meet budget, blah, blah, blah. And so these people keep talking to me. And they're not talking to me about weird stuff. They're talking to me about, like, I'm really struggling with this. Or I'm, you know, I feel hopeless about this situation. Like, actual real things. Yeah. And I've got my blinders on. I've got my human response on because I'm whinging to Ben in the car ride home going, why would they just leave me alone? I don't want to talk to them. I just want to do my work and go home. And I heard myself. You ever do that? Like talking it out and you're just like, oh my gosh. And I feel like the Holy Spirit was just like, and stop. Because a faith response... I'm glad you can all laugh. My expense. A faith response would actually have been clued in a lot enough and not had blinders on to say, hang on a second, I'm not just at work to make money. Oh, wow. I am at work to be a light. I am at work to shine Jesus. So the faith response was to buy a lolly jar and a candle and put the couch out with a blanket, and now my office is welcome. And so now we have lots of people coming in for chats, but I'm ready. I'm ready, and I've got my faith response. And yes, I still have to set boundaries, and it's not an open, like an open house, but my, I've changed. I've changed. And I'm not just ignoring what the Holy Spirit's trying to do, but I'm being active in that. I'm leaning in. So as Christians, we need to have the correct response to the gap. And the Bible tells us that the righteous live by faith. And the Bible asks us to take up our shield of faith. The Bible discusses faith as part of our action, our doing, our being. It's an active stance. Active. Faith gives us our response in the gap. So let's go through those human responses and flip them on the head a bit. So instead of freezing, the faith response is to position yourself at the cross. Isaiah 40, 29 to 31. Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. 
He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and the young man shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Positioning yourself at the cross is not just about falling in a heap and going like, Jesus, I'm waiting. Like, (laughs) which sometimes I wish was the way we could do it. But it's actually about building relationship. Positioning yourself actively to read the word, to pray, to worship. Again and again and again. Because that's my faith position, kneeled at the cross. Job 11. So we meet Job. um, If you don't know Job's story, if you're ever feeling down about your life, you're going to read Job and be like, oh my goodness. Because he went through the ringer. And um, we meet him in chapter 11, so he's actually already lost a heap of stuff. He's, he's lost family, friends, his health, his possessions. And so this is um, a comment made to him. Can you understand the mysteries surrounding God, all-powerful? They are higher than the heavens and deeper than the grave. So what can you do when you know so little and these mysteries outstretch the earth and the ocean? Surrender your heart to God, turn to him in prayer, and give up your sins, even those you do in secret. To me, that's incredible because Carolina spoke so well this morning, such a foundational message about what faith is and how we guard it. And one of the things that she brought up was that um, you can't, if you understand something, it's not faith. You don't need faith. Faith is what you know, even if you don't see it or understand it. And here, Job's going through a horrible situation. There's a huge gap between what he knows to be true and his current situation. And the, um, this verse is so encouraging to say, you don't know the mysteries. You don't understand. So this is where you come back to God praying, surrendering at the cross. Number two, instead of striving, instead of control, we surrender. Hebrews 11.4, by an act of faith, Abel brought a better sacrifice to God than Cain. It was what he believed, not what he brought that made the difference. That's what God noticed and approved as righteous. After all these centuries, that belief continues to catch our notice. And it's so interesting to me that when we are striving and we're controlling and we're making ourselves the key player in the story, it becomes very easy to compare because if it's all about what I'm doing, then I'm going to be looking at what she's doing. And so we compare and we go, well, She's doing that and I'm doing this and blah, blah, blah. Well, no. Hebrews tells us they both brought something. They were both doing something. And it wasn't about the striving. It wasn't about the task. It wasn't about the, the action of bringing it. Yeah. It was about who believed. Yeah. To surrender yeah. the task, the control, the striving, surrender it and say, God, because I believe I do this. Yeah. Not because I think that if I do step A, B, C, D, E, it's going to make it happen. Surrender the control. 
Hebrews 11.29, by an act of faith, Israel walked through the Red Sea on dry ground, and this is like my favorite thing ever. The Egyptians tried it and drowned. (laughs) Could it be any more clear? By faith. By faith, the Israelites walked on dry ground. So without God, there's not really much point, is there? Right? Right? If we're just going to do it in our own strength, if we're just going to try and get through the Red Sea quickly after someone else on our own strength, the Bible tells us exactly what's going to happen. Number three, instead of putting the blinders on, we lean all in and we're present. Hebrews 11.7, by faith Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. He was warned about something he couldn't see and acted on what he was told. And the result, his family was saved. His act of faith drew a sharp line between the evil of the unbelieving world and the righteous of the believing world. As a result, Noah became intimate with God. He didn't even know what rain was. He didn't know if it came up off the ground, if it came down off the sky, if it flung out of trees. He didn't know. And Ben and I were like laughing about it and Ben was saying to me, it's probably like the first time people went to the moon. Like you sort of have a concept, you've been told about it, but you have no idea of the reality. And yet somehow by faith, he's able to put into practice this act of leaning all in and being present and walking out what God has asked him to do. The call of God on Noah's life didn't make sense. It didn't relate to his present at all. He had no concept of how to build his calling into a framework that was within his understanding. And in Matthew 25, 14 to 30, Jesus tells us of the parable of the talents and how the master gives five talents to this one, three or two to this one and one to the last guy who we'll call Bob. And so the two are diligent. They're all in, they're present. They're all into understanding what the master wants of them and outworking that. And Bob is a bit scared (laughs) and he just holds it. And he sort of just does nothing. And he thinks he's doing the right thing. But what he doesn't realize is that all the master wants is for him to be all in. And we read this exchange between them at verse 24. Bob says, I know you have high standards and hate careless ways, that you demand the best and make no allowances for error. I was afraid I might disappoint you, so I found a good hiding place and secured your money. Here it is, safe and sound, down to the last cent. And the master was furious. That is a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done was invest the money where I would have at least gotten some interest. Take your portion and give it to the one who risked it all. All in, all in and present. What is he calling you to? What's that impossible promise? What's that dream that seems so far from your reality? 
all in, present. Despite your humanity, your lack, your dysfunction, our God has an incredible plan and he includes us. And as Christians, we need to have the right response, a faith response to our human gap. Position yourself before God, surrender your life to him, lean all in, be present, because that's what faith looks like. That's what the Bible teaches us that faith looks like. With God, all things are possible. And I want to take a moment tonight to pray for the ones that have dreams and promises that have felt impossible. And tonight was a reminder to you, maybe even of those dreams, their existence. Or maybe you're sitting here tonight and it has been such a point of contention for you about your reality versus his promise about your inability and your lack versus what he's called you to do. And I'm here to tell you tonight that you serve an extraordinary God and you might be plain and ordinary. You might come with baggage. You might have a little bit of mess in your past, but he is all powerful, all merciful. And he is so excited to take you on the journey. It's just the human gap. And so we're going to take a moment. I'm going to be crazy. Worship band, can you come back up, please? So we're going to take a moment. And if that's you, I want to pray for you. And the thing about faith, remember how I said, like, we can just, the human response is that we focus on ourselves as though we're the biggest part of the story and we forget about God. Well, we're going to sing that verse about holy. Because the act of putting God back in his rightful place does wonders not only for your spirit, but for your soul. Knowing where he sits all the time, no matter what it looks like, he's always sovereign. He's always your answer. He's always the truth. Always. Doesn't matter what the human gap is. So stand with me, church. And if that's you and you need prayer, if you will come down the front, I'm believing, I've been believing for you and for your dreams and your promise and your calling and enough is enough enough is enough we draw a line in the sand and we say no more no more to being disqualified to being called out to being ashamed we get rid of those chains of guilt in Jesus name and we declare that you are the almighty God that we need you in our story you in our rightful place We set you on the throne exactly where you belong, Lord, in our lives. Come on, if that's you, come down the front and we will pray with you. We will pray with you to have those dreams reinstated.